that road and paid that price for the freedom that we enjoy today. President Dwight Eisenhower said this, a people that value its privileges over its principles soon loses both. And today we will honor, we will remember the principles of our faith, the principles of family, and the principles of our country as we observe and remember those that lay their life down for us. It was an unknown author that said this, only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul and the other died for your freedom. Yes, it was Jesus at the cross that left to us a memorial service there for us to take us out of the bondage of our sins so that now we can respond in reasonable service to Him. He gave His life for us so that we can give our life to Him. And this morning I'm going to invite you to open your Bible with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 with a message titled, The Christian's Call to Sacrifice. The Christian's Call to Sacrifice. We are living in some very interesting times in the last days and we can have hope today in that we are living in God's perfect will. There is not hope anywhere else but in God's perfect will. And I really do believe that Romans chapter 12 is a message, a chapter in the New Testament for such a time as this. Because as a church we can say, Lord, I know you have a plan for my life. Lord, I know you have a perfect will for my life. Lord, I know you have a gift for my life and I can have confidence today. I can have comfort today, not fear, in that I'm living in the will of God. In that I'm living a life that pleases Him. Because it's not about if we are living in the last days, church. It's about how are we living in the last days. And I want to ask you today, how are you living today in the last days? We're not only looking forward to God's will for our lives, we're not only looking forward to seeing the church reunited again together, but we also want to walk in God's perfect will for our lives. And if you want to be able to do that, you have to ask yourself the question today, what does God require of me? <laughs> what does God want from me? What does He want for my life? What is His will for my life? Because His number one will and requirement for your life is your holiness and your obedience that leads you to live the transformed life. Are you living the transformed life today? Or you can say, I'm not who I used to be. <laughs> God is changing my desires. God is changing my habits. He's changing my mentality to what honors Him. And He's building godly character in me. This is important because too often, church, we are focused on the conditions of the world instead of being focused on the conditions of God's Word when it comes to our holiness. What do you focus on today? Here in Romans, Paul reminds us that we were dead in a graveyard called trespasses and sins. <laughs> and we have to understand our deadness so that we can appreciate the grace of God in our lives. You see, it was in the verse 11 chapters of Romans now that Paul talks about the principles of salvation. 
And then from chapters 12 to 16, he shifts now to the practicals of salvation or the application of salvation. He goes from doctrine to duty. He goes from precepts now to practice. To remind us now finally that we are in a battle. And it is a spiritual battle. And it's important to recognize this battle so that we can become who we were born to be before we die. And here he explains to us now this, this doctrine of sanctification. How does sanctification look like? How does the process of becoming holy look like? Well, let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 1, as we join in God's word this morning. He says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would you pray with me? Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, right now because you are with us. And we ask, Lord, that your spirit would fill not only our hearts and our homes, Lord, but to fill our minds as well. That you would saturate us with your word, that we would be concerned about your will. We know, Lord, that these are the last days that we're living in, Lord, but we want to also please you in these last days so that we can live in courage and confidence and in comfort. Thank you so much, Lord, for this portion of text, Lord. We ask, Lord, that we would honor you in it today in Jesus' name. And together from wherever you are, you say a loud and a strong amen. So now here in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, now. And he uses a, a very strong exhortation. In fact, he's saying, I'm beseeching you therefore, or the word therefore is there to speak about in light of God's grace, in light of God's mercy, brothers and sisters. It tells us that he's speaking to the church, to the believer. He's not speaking to the unbeliever, but to the believer now. And he's urging now. Because of God's mercies, because of the attributes of God, because of the attributes of God, I beseech you. Now the word beseech is a very important word and I want you to call your attention to the word beseech because it means to call alongside to help. To call alongside to help. It's a word that speaks about comfort and about counsel for encouragement and for exhortation. Beseech, to call someone alongside to comfort, to help, to encourage. In fact, it's the very word in where we get the root word paracletus and where Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. Beseech. The Holy Spirit would come alongside of us to comfort, to help, to counsel now in the time of need. And this word is also a very strong word. Because it's a military word, it's a word of authority. And here Paul is coming to the church as a, as a Roman officer now, or as a commanding officer, and he's giving his troops encouragement now before they go out to battle. I beseech you. Now just think about how applicable that is, or that word is for us, that command. 
that exhortation or that encouragement, the troops, before they go out to battle, or the church, before it goes out into now the spiritual warfare, that we receive an encouragement. In fact, I love this because before we come back into the building, we get this encouragement, I beseech you, therefore brethren. But now he goes on in, in, in this verse here, verse 1, he says, therefore, by the mercies of God. And it's important that we notice that by the mercies of God, in light of God's mercy, because we receive the forgiveness of God because of what God has done for you. Just remember here, Paul is saying, remember that he is faithful. Remember his, the new life that you have because he's given you a promise of eternal life because today you can live with hope. Because you will never be able to be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus, in which he already mentioned. Because of the goodness of God in your life. Because you have been justified. Because you are right with God now through his son Jesus Christ. And he brings all of this in as he talks about the mercies of God now. And he gives you now a responsibility to respond to the goodness of God. Now, church, this is so amazing because today you get to respond to the goodness, forgiveness, the love, the grace of God to celebrate that you will never be able to be separated from the love of God. And he says you have a responsibility now to respond. Are you responding to all of that today? In fact, how are you responding? Because in light of God's mercies, he says, I, I beseech you that you would present... And the word presented is so important. In fact, we have to pause and ask ourselves what that means. <laughs> the word present means to offer up. The word present means to surrender up. It means a giving up. I beseech you that you would give up, that you would surrender up, that you would now come and offer an offering now. And this offering that he's speaking about as the exhortation has already come is, I present your bodies, your bodies now. And when he's talking about the body, he's talking about the whole body. He's talking about the spirit, the soul, and the flesh that you would present, that you would offer up, that you would surrender up, that you would give up your body. Now, why is it important that we would give up, surrender, present, and offer our body now to the Lord? Because our body has been touched and corrupted at its core by sin. So it's important that we come and we bring our body to the altar to God. In fact, God wants your body as, at the altar as a sacrifice to Him. And the bodies are so uh, important here because our bodies can get in the way of all God wants to do in your life. Our bodies can get in the way of God's perfect will for our lives. Now just think about it. What happens when your eyes lead you to somewhere that doesn't honor God? When you're looking at things and you're now dwelling on things that maybe are not honoring the Lord that are sinful. Your hands that are becoming involved in areas where God does not want you to become involved in. And your feet that is taking you to places where you do not belong. Your body belongs at the altar. And therefore, he says, I, I beseech you because of everything that God has done for you, that you present your bodies, offer it up, sacrifice it, surrender it up, your body as a living sacrifice. You see, a living sacrifice is an offering. 
as a sacrificial offering. And you notice that he used the word living sacrifice. Living and not dead. In the Old Testament, it was a dead sacrifice. But in the New Testament, under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, it's a living sacrifice. And it's living because it's brought alive at the altar. It stays alive at the altar. And it's ongoing. And guess what happens to your body at the altar? In fact, at the altar, it is burning away all of our impurities. All of our sinful tendencies. Are there any sinful tendencies taking place in your life today? Because here he's talking about something that is living and, and, and something that is a sacrifice. And the sacrifice entails a cost. It's going to cost you to give something up because if it doesn't cost you anything, can you really call it a sacrifice? You can't. That's why he says, in light of God's mercies, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Number one, living sacrifice. Number two, this is how the offering is going to come to the altar. Holy. Holy. We talk a lot about happy, but there's not enough talk about holy. It comes from the original word hagios, which we all have heard before, which means pure, undefiled, consecrated, separated to God, and separated for God, but separated for His purpose. Not for the world's purpose, for God's purpose. It must be holy, this offering. Do you remember in the Old Testament when now the nation of Israel had to come and give an offering at the altar every year? It would have to be a perfect offering. The offering and the animal and the, the dove or the lamb could not be with blemish. It had to be without blemish. It could not have no serious defect in it. It could not be sick in any way. It had to be a holy offering at the altar. And, and the people would transfer their sins and their guilt unto that animal and sacrifice it before the, the Lord for the forgiveness of the sins. Now we have the perfect Lamb of God in the New Testament, Jesus Christ. There was a living offering for us on the cross. Psalms chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. What does the psalmist say in regards to holiness? He says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who can step into the presence of God? Or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, do you see that holiness is a prerequisite to step into the presence of God? It is essential for you to be holy in order to step into the presence of a holy God. And here Paul is exhorting the church in Romans chapter 12 to say, Lord, here is my life. It's on the altar for you. I'm bringing you holiness. And I'm doing it willingly. Because a willing sacrifice is a living sacrifice. A willing sacrifice is a living sacrifice. You might ask yourself, well, how can I do that in my own strength? I can't. You're right. You cannot do it. But when God calls you, when He commands you, He also enables you by the power of His Holy Spirit to take your body, to take your life, body, soul, and spirit, and place it at the altar as a sacrifice to Him. You know that that's where spiritual growth happens, at the altar? That's the only place where spiritual growth happens. In fact, spiritual growth through the power of the Holy Spirit is guaranteed. But it's not automatic. 
You have to take your body at the altar, your life at the altar, and it must remain there. You must keep your body in the only place where it belongs, and that's at the altar. And today we must ask ourselves, from the moment that I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I had my body at the altar, and that's where I met Him, at the altar, at the foot of the cross. But have I taken my body off the altar, my life off the altar? Am I still the living sacrifice to the Lord? Or have I become comfortable compromising? He says here, number one, a living sacrifice. Number two, holy. But the third now requirement as how the offering is to be presented is also acceptable to God. It's a holy sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. And it's an acceptable sacrifice. Note that, please. A living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, and an acceptable sacrifice. Acceptable means you giving yourself to God, dedicated to Him. And notice that it says acceptable to God. It does not say acceptable to man. <laughs> there are a lot of times where we want to offer God something. And we choose to offer Him something that is acceptable now to man. It's not supposed to be acceptable to man. In fact, your life is called to be holy now. And when we want to make it acceptable to man, usually it is unholy to the Lord. Unholy is not acceptable. This is what he's saying. You see, the word acceptable means worthy. It means a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. There's nothing more satisfying in your walk than to know that you're living in God's perfect will. And that when you are approaching Him, you're bringing something that is well-pleasing to Him. We know that at the end of our lives, the Lord is not going to say, Good and successful servant, welcome in. But he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's looking for your faithfulness when it comes to holiness. I mean, just think about today how many things that we offer to God, how many things we give to Him that are not acceptable, that are not well-pleasing. And you have to ask yourself the question after we read these verses is that who are you serving with your body? Because God here is calling us through Paul in Romans chapter 12 to make a choice about the way that you live. And that you would say, Lord, I want you to master my body. I don't want my body to master me. I want you to master my body. I want you to master my life. It's been said before, the body is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Keeping it at God's altar as a living sacrifice keeps the body where it should be. It keeps the body where it should be. In fact, here he's saying, I want you to use your life, your body, to serve God, not to serve sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, it says, You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul is reminding us, he's telling us, your body does not belong to you. Would you remember that this morning? Your body does not belong to you. Your life does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord because you are bought with a price. And after he's exhorted in regards to what type of offering, what type of living God's called us to live, he tells us this in verse 1, which is your reasonable service. 
This is amazing now because he's already spoken about what type of offering God requires of us now. But then he says, this is your reasonable service. This is your first ministry. This is your only logical, reasonable response to do in, when you think about the goodness and the grace of God. I was driving here this morning and I was thinking about the grace of God and how good God is in our lives. Just think about the grace of God and how you're responding to that. Because here Paul is saying, this is your reasonable service, this type of offering. In fact, reasonable service, not only does it mean logical service, but it means this is the highest form of service. This is the best form of pure worship. Notice, worship is not songs. It's not 30 minutes of songs. Worship is obedience. Worship is at the altar, a life living at the altar. It's a lifestyle of obedience. Obedience is always the best sacrifice to God. Here he's saying God wants you before he wants your work. He wants your holiness. This is your reasonable service, your holiness. What did Paul say to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? In fact, he is preparing the church of Thessalonica for the rapture of the church for Jesus. And he tells them this. For this is the will of God for your, your sanctification. Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality or sexual sin. That each should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. What is it that we ought to do as we wait for the soon return of Jesus Christ? That we would possess our own vessel, our own bodies as instruments of righteousness. As we wait for the coming of the Lord. It's not if He's coming. It's not if we're living in the last days. If It's not if his, soon, his return is soon. But it is how the church will wait for it. Are you ready for it? Is your life pleasing to Him? Because we can practice something that causes us to sin or maybe is opening up the door for us to sin. And that must stop now. There are a lot of times, even through seasons like the ones that we're living in today, that we become comfortable and we say we will put that off later. And maybe you have been, become comfortable saying, I'm going to put that off later. I'm going to put that off when the, the church opens the door to the building and the first Sunday or the first opportunity that I get, I'm going to become right with God. No, don't wait till now. Do it today. Do it right now. The New Living Translation Reads Romans 12, 1 like this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is truly your best form of worship. A living sacrifice. It's so important here because those who are in Christ, those who are believers, those who claim faith in Jesus and have been born again, the only acceptable worship to offer to God is themselves completely over to God as an instrument of holiness and of righteousness. This is your calling, church. Verse 1, mark it down. This is my calling. A lot of times we ask us, what's my calling for my life? What is God's will for my life? This is your calling. But verse 2 now, this is your transformation. <laughs> we go from your calling in verse 1 to your transformation in verse 2. And it reads this way, verse 2, and do not be conformed. First he tells you what to do, then he tells you what not to do when it comes to holiness. 
But it's not after He's reminded you of the grace of God. It's not a set of rules. It's a response. It's a loving response. It's a response that begins with a relationship of where Jesus now paid the ultimate price for your freedom from bondage of, the, of sin in your life at the cross. So you're responding to the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the favor of God by responding with number one, your calling, and number two, there's an evidence of transformation. Let's read the evidence. And do not be conformed to this world. Conformed. In fact, he's saying, I don't want you to behave like everyone else. Do not copy. Don't imitate. We live in a time where everybody wants to copy everyone. You want to imitate people. You want to see what, what's the latest, what looks attractive. Don't copy the world. Matter of fact, stop. Stop copying the world. Because you're called to be different. <laughs> And he says, do not be conformed. This word, this word conformed, it means to fashion, to shape one another like another. Don't let the world fashion you or shape you like themselves. Don't become comfortable or conditioned now or content with the world's standards. In the times that we're living in today, it's so easy to be pulled in every direction and be conditioned in your mind with the world's standards. Here he reminds us, do not let yourself become conditioned into sinful tendencies that the world calls their standard. Because the world wants to mold you into its values that are contrary to the new nature that you have in Jesus. They're opposite of the new nature that you have in Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Peter tells the church, he says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> you know what he's saying here? He says, I want you to take hold of the reproductive power of your mind. Have self-discipline in your mind. And be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought with you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Put your hope fully on the grace of God. Today, we want to put our hope on the grace of God. We want to gird up the loins of our mind, the reproductive power of our mind, and place our hope in the grace of Jesus. As obedient children, not disobedient children, as obedient children, not conforming yourself, not becoming comfortable yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Don't go back to that lifestyle as in your ignorance, when you didn't know any better. <laughs> there are times in our lives that we go back to those things in our life that we practice when we, don't, when we didn't know any better, but now we know better in the grace of God. As obedient children now, former lust. But he who has called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written now, Be holy, for I am holy. In verse 2 here, Paul is saying, don't let the world change you. Church, don't let the world change you. In fact, you change the world. The goal is not to be accepted by the world. The goal is to be accepted before God. So that you can say, I used to conform, but now I'm transformed. What has changed since the Holy Spirit took over your life? Has anything changed? Is there a difference? Are you a new person? But here he's going to tell us how the change happens, where it happens. 
There are a lot of times that we try to start to change habits. We start to try to change ideas. We start to try to change practices before we've changed one of the most important things. And here he tells us where the change happens, where the spiritual transformation happens, where you can really see a new person. Change. Where does it happen? In fact, we hate change. <laughs> we, we dislike change. But here he's saying, eh, you need to change. And it has to start in the right place. It has to start in your mind. Because that's when you know it's a real transformation. It's a true transformation. And he says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Underline that word, transform. That it is now, not only your calling here, but it's your transformation. Be transformed. The word means metamorphosis. It talks about a change in outward appearance. Change in the outward appearance, but let yourself now not only be changed in the outward appearance, but let it begin by the renewing now of your mind. Be transformed. Change the way that you think. Let the Lord change the way you think. Let the Lord change your desires. Because the change should happen from the inside and out. Why from the inside and out? Because this world lives in rebellion against God's will. And that's exactly why we have to say, Lord, take my body, but first, Lord, also, when I'm at the altar, I want you to give me a new mind. Because that's where the spiritual battle begins, in the mind. And in order to be a living sacrifice, you must have a renewed mind. A renewed mind. A mind that is not moved, that is directed by feelings or emotion. It's a renewed mind. A mind that is changed into the image of Christ. A mind that is dedicated to God's truth. A mind that will produce a life that will stand the test of time. Have you stood the test of time during these last three months? Because you had a renewed mind the entire time. You know, I've heard it said before, the life that you live is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. What kind of thoughts are you thinking today? The only way that we are to resist temptation is by meditating in our mind to God's truth and letting the Spirit of God shape our thoughts, shape our behaviors, and there's a continuous transformation. The renewal of the mind. 1 Peter chapter 4, notice what Peter tells the church. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, because of what Jesus did again, we remember this Memorial Day weekend. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We're not living for the lust of the flesh or our desires anymore, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles or the unbeliever when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revilings, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. We spent enough time. Enough is enough, here Peter is saying. <laughs> Let the same mind be in you. Arm yourself. What are you armed with today as you're going into battle? Here as Paul has now, as a commanding Roman officer, told the church, I beseech you, I command you by the mercies of God now. But then he tells them also to arm themselves with the renewing of the mind, that you to be armed now, and it starts in your mind. But only the Holy Spirit can renew your mind. 
And your mind is being renewed now. It's being conditioned. It's being shaped by the Holy Spirit as you're meditating on the Word of God. And the renewed mind is one that is saturated with and controlled with, with the Word of God in prayer. We all remember what the psalmist said in Psalms 119 verse 11. It says, Your word, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is it, what is it that keeps you from sin? Here it is. His word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now he's saying that you would be transformed, your calling and your transformation here in verse 2. Let's continue reading. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove this. What are you trying to prove today? There are often times in our life that we try to prove different things. We try to prove success. We try to prove status. We try to prove our own ego, our own pride. In fact, the only thing that you have to prove is the perfect will of God in your life. And that is something that is good and acceptable and it's perfect before the eyes of God. Proof. You know what proof means? It means to test and then to approve. To test and then to approve. To intimately know. In fact, proof speaks about a holy living that, uh, that God approves. Holy living that God is approving. It's, a, it's, it's talking about a sacrificial language here of a life that is morally and spiritually spotless. Proved. It has been tested and it has passed the test in the eyes of God. It is proved now acceptable before God. That you may prove now that which is good. Good. Speaks of purity. You see, your transformation, it's about being morally, honorably pure. Pure. Your purity matters when it comes to the will of God. You see, this is your reasonable service so that you can be a living sacrifice that is good, morally pure. Number two, listen to what this says, acceptable. Good and acceptable. What does this mean? Morally and honorably pure and well-pleasing. Well-pleasing now. Pleasing to God. What is that good? What is well-pleasing to God? And the perfect will of God. Are you proving those three things today? The perfect will of God. Perfect means having reached the end being complete and being mature? Is there an evidence now of the perfect will of, of God now in your life? Because this is a, a warning now for us to not live outside of the will of God. That you would not copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you with a renewed mind by changing the way you think. Then you can learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing in His sight. You see, today maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, and you know the will of God, but let me ask you this, can you prove it? Are you proving it? That's the only thing you have to prove is the perfect will of God. That in His Word you would go to discover it, and then in His Word you go to display it. 
We want to discover the Word of God. We want to display the will of God. And you cannot know His will. And you cannot know His voice or His plan, His Word with a secular mind. You have to be sober-minded to know the will of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit in prayer. And say, Lord, I want to know Your will for my life. I want to walk in Your will. And I want to be a living sacrifice. How do you know that you're being a living sacrifice today? You would ask yourself. Are you walking in obedience or disobedience? Would you do something that makes you happy? Even if you know it's against God's will? Even if you know it's against God's will? What is the goal here? Is it to be holy before the Lord? Is it to be holy? What did Paul exhort the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15? He says this, See that you walk circumspectly. <laughs> See that you walk carefully. You know, it speaks about someone that every step that they take, they look and they, they really measure that step. If that is very carefully, very wise, calculated step before they take that step. Are you, are you becoming very calculated and wise in every step that you're taking that honors God? Therefore, see that you walk every step carefully, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why is that important? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. <laughs> Because of the times that we're living in now, it's about this walk now. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the, Lord, the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is amazing. Be filled with the Spirit. Isn't it incredible that we get to reunite in the building again, gather together in person on Pentecost Sunday? It was the very same celebration and where the church started, and it's the very same one in where the church is going to restart again together. Isn't this incredible? And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, Redeeming the time, making the most out of every opportunity. Not wasting time. Have you wasted any time lately? Or have you spent all your time in the safest place, in the most profitable place, and that is in the will of God? Today we can focus on God's word. We can fellowship with him. You can know his will, but you cannot prove his will. And I want you to remember this, please, as we're coming to an end. You cannot prove his will. Until you bring your life upon the altar. You cannot prove his will until then. Here God is saying, give me your life and I'll show you my will. He's asking you, give me your life and I'll show you my will. Because the spirit cannot renew a mind unless you first give him your body. Have you given him your body? And when you give yourself to God in spiritual worship, you become a living sacrifice for the glory of God. For the glory of God. You realize it's the grace of God that saved you. It's the grace of God that transformed you now. There's a story of a, of a just very primitive Indian man that was walking now through the fields and these Puritan missionaries went and reached them and they, they wanted to explain to him the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
And, and they were explaining to him Jesus, and, and this, this, this native Indian did, did not know their dialect, but he understood somehow what they wanted to speak to him about, but he wanted to respond that, that he knew God saved his life, that, that he understood the grace of God, and, and he looked around, he's trying to find out, how can I communicate the grace of God to them in my life? <laughs> And he looked around and he saw a worm in the ground and he picked up the worm and he saw a leaf on the ground and he picked up the leaf and he put the, the worm on the leaf. <laughs> and he showed him the worm on the leaf to them and then he got some matches and he lit up that leaf on fire. <laughs> and as the, the flames were coming upon that worm, he, he blew on that flame and it blew that flame out. And he looked at the missionaries and he said, me, worm. Isn't that amazing? Me, worm. The Holy Spirit, the grace of God, He came. He came when your life depended on Him to pay the ultimate sacrifice. The question today is, are you on the altar? There are too many families that got off the altar. Too many marriages that have gotten off the altar. Leaders that have gotten off the altar. Now I'm here today to tell you to get your life back on the altar. Because there is no other place where you belong today than at the altar. That's where lives are changed. That's where lives are changed. Are you comfortable today or are you committed? Are you consecrated? Or are you compromising at the altar? Later on in Romans chapter 12, he goes on, he talks about the gifts, living in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, living in the love of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know what? It's holiness before usefulness. We mix it up. And we try to be useful to God without being holy. It does not work that way. Holiness qualifies you to be used as a living sacrifice. That is God's will for your life, that you would be holy so that you can be usable to Him. And remember, He sacrificed for our freedom by placing Himself at the altar at the cross so that we can respond and place our lives at the altar as a reasonable service to Him. We're going to end as the worship team comes forward now, but... I want to ask you, are you wanting to come back to normal? Maybe you heard the announcement that, that the churches are opening now and we're going to go back to normal. <laughs> and you're excited, we're going back to normal, but I pray you don't go back to normal. No, never. I pray that you go back to new and that it starts in the renewal of your mind. That you go back to new. Not to normal, but to new. You would ask yourself, what is God's perfect will? I'm battling, I'm struggling. I'm looking for the perfect will of God for my life. I know it's holiness, but I want to interpret that in my situation right now. I want to see how that looks like in my situation right now. Well, I'm going to give you three final points as to how you can know, is this the good and perfect will for your life? Number one, is it good? Is it morally pure? Is it honorably pure before the Lord? Is it good? In fact, if it's good, it's going to give you peace. If it's good, you will have peace in your heart about this because it is honorably pure. Number one, is it good? Number two, is it acceptable in His eyes? 
Is it acceptable in his eyes? You know when something is acceptable in his eyes, what will happen? When it is acceptable in his eyes, you will receive confirmation through the word of God. You will receive confirmation through the word of God when it is acceptable in his eyes. Number two. And number three, finally, does it prove his perfect will? Does it give any evidence? Does it produce spiritual maturity? Because God will give you peace. He will confirm it through his word. But is it producing any spiritual maturity in your life? Can we pray right now? And ask the Lord that he would give us the strength that he would call to us right now. That he would prick our hearts, our families, our marriages, our lives. That in light of God's mercy, in light of his goodness, as we remember his goodness. As you remember his mercy, that we would put our life back at the altar. That's the only place where it belongs. Maybe you've taken your life off the altar. Your family is not at the altar. There's no more altar in the family. And you're waiting for the church doors to be open when the the Lord is saying, come now, right now, today, wherever you are. I want you to make things right, and I want you to come back on the altar, and I want you to stay there. Lord, I pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. We pray for the church. That if it has gone away from the altar, that it would go back to it. And that as we enter into the doors of your house, that we would not enter the same. Let us enter, Lord, with thanksgiving. Let us enter, Lord, with Rejoicing, let us enter with the promises, but let us enter in with holiness. We're so concerned about where we can and cannot be, when the only place where you want us to be is at the altar. Maybe you have told us, I don't want you to go anywhere right now for these last three months because I've wanted you to just go to the only one place that you haven't been in a while. And that's at the altar. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your forgiveness in my life. Thank you because you never left my side because nothing separates me from your love. But I place my life back on the altar for you. I rededicate my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me and wash me and clothe me in holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we sat, church.